0: still have a different vantage point. However, we're not having the conversation to divide, we're having the conversation to bring healing and understanding because we can disagree, but not disconnect. I think we really gotta have the conversations at home. It's one, the only way we're gonna change the world is if we start changing the home. Ultimately for me, I'm gonna die what I look like I chose. It's not my job to decide whether or not I love you. I don't get to pick who I love. The command's clear. I'm to love you regardless if you don't look like me, smell like me, vote like me, think like me. You're, you're family because I'm called to love because ultimately it's His kindness that leads people to repentance.
1: Allow the world to see, man, these Christ followers, like it does make a difference when you follow Christ. There really is an opportunity to have love uh, in this world. Let's maybe try and do some of the things that they're doing, uh, rather than the church looking at the world and saying, "Let's try some of the things that they're trying." You know, that's not going to work. So. Welcome to this week's episode of What Do I Think, a podcast where we stop and explore some questions we have. that may be going through your head too. We believe the Bible is absolute truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that someday he is returning. But if you're anything like us, as you read the Bible and follow after Christ, there are many questions that arise. Well, ultimately, we will never be able to figure out all the answers, and that's okay. This podcast digs into some of those questions, and we hope it will lead to some helpful discovery and knowing God more as you ask yourself, what do I think? Last week, we looked at four areas to begin allowing God to search and mold us, beginning with our hearts. Today, I sit down with Pastor Will Caesar to explore how we begin to move forward and into the home. While we do touch some on how to apply this to racial reconciliation, we discuss this idea at a broader level in two main areas how to lead our children and how to lead ourselves. One of today's conclusions is that in order to begin to lead our homes, ourselves, and our community, We must address our self-image of whose we are and where our identity comes from. As we discuss these thoughts and you listen to today's episode, I hope you will begin to ask yourself, what do I think? Today I'm here with Will Caesar. Will, good to have you on, man. Excited to be on, bro. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. So just before we jump into the conversation, kind of let us know who you are, where you are, what you do. And then looking forward to an awesome conversation together.
0: Same. Uh, my name is Will Caesar. I serve at a church in Hurley, Mississippi called Magnolia Springs. Been living in Mississippi now for five years. In December, I'll be married to uh, my beautiful wife for five years. And um, man, we're learning to love where we live. And man, I'm just trying to change people's hearts, man, with the gospel. Mm, amen. You're from Georgia, right? From Georgia. Born in Alabama. Right. Moved to Georgia. Raised in Georgia. Do ministry in Mississippi, so I've been all over the south. So,
1: are you a football fan? I am. I'm so does that mean you're, you're a Bama, Georgia, or Ole Miss or State fan? Georgia Bulldog. Georgia bro. Bulldog. All right, that's that's okay. You know, I'm not. I'm from D.C. area, and uh, so I didn't grow up in the whole uh, SEC. Uh, brainwashing area. So uh, <laughs> but I know there there's some folks that are big big bulldog fans so so you just want a few fans right there. But well, we're we're the real Bulldogs. Uh, okay the real okay. Bulldogs. I don't know about state, but we're the real Bulldogs. That's right. And they can't make up their mind. Is it a cowbell? Is it a Bulldog? Like what what's happening? Um, that's right. So well man it is good good to be together today. Love your heart for certainly the gospel for discipleship. And as a youth pastor for about six years myself I uh, love your heart for for youth so excited to, to talk today so as you and I kind of have been talking I know that you've been on some some other Facebook lives written some articles those types of things and as we were talking just saying that you know these conversations uh, need to be happening we need to be having open dialogue at every level at every platform just what what is going on uh, in the world and what what's first maybe what's going on in our in our hearts and our lives uh, but having these conversations and these conversations are good and need to be happening but then it's like so what what's next uh, what's the next step so that we don't just end up a month or two months or six months uh, in the same place uh, and then we look back and say man we had some awesome conversations but nothing's changed nothing's happened so maybe just to start there Not to look too far down the road, but as these conversations are being had, as you're having these conversations, as I'm having these conversations, what do you see being that next step? Or what do we need to be cognizant of to really just get to work and begin putting into practice some of these things that we're having conversations about?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, So to start off, I think in order for us to know where we're going, we got to know where we've been. Again, we're talking about 400 years of systemic oppression of a particular group of people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as well as uh, the reality that some of those same constructs still exist. Mm-hmm. So, I think what Americans have done, and I'm not talking, I'm, I'm one of those guys I do not like talking about the church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, Americans as a culture, what we've done is we've trusted the government to do what the church should do. So I don't think the government can fix this. Um, there's not a political party that can fix this. There's not a law we can pass to change somebody's heart. Um, so I don't expect the, the government to fix this. I don't expect schools to fix this.
1: Sure.
0: Um, there's nothing we can teach outside of history that shows where we've come or where we're headed. Or Because uh, to me, to not talk about the history of racism, is to miss out on a key part of the grace that God has shown America in where we've come from, to say, hey, yeah, we did do this. It was wrong, it was bad, but this is where we're headed. So I think actionable steps going forward, not only with the conversation, I think it's the church's job, since she is in the middle of all of this surrounding us to change the political landscape, to affect culture in a spiritual way, for the church to empower homes, to have these conversations there, because I think that's the next mm. important thing uh, for me at least it's one thing for you and I to have these conversations, but if people aren't having these conversations with their kids, then mm. I think it really could fall on deaf ears because this generation is the most diverse that we've ever seen. Uh, there's been a hundred and thirty four percent increase in uh, multiracial kid who kids who identify as mixed races mm. in America from t- from two thousand to 2010 so when we look at those numbers we got to realize America really is the melting pot that we've always talked about. And so uh, especially for us in our context, being on the coast, you know, everything South of 10 is very, very diverse. Mm. So uh, for me, I think it's not only having the conversation now publicly, it's having the conversation with pragmatics so that parents can have the conversations at home because these kids will probably be in environments that don't Mm. always look like them. Mm. So, uh, to t- again, just kind of expound a little bit further, when we look at our churches, most of our churches have uh, congregations where people look like them, they think like them, they sure. act like them, they vote like them. We can't continue to have that ministry philosophy where we, we have preachers who say things and uh, the way they word it, they assume that their congregation believes it. And that's really, for me, the whole point of having the conversation, it needs to be kind of twofold. Number one, because we can disagree, but not disconnect. You may still have a different vantage point. However, we're not having the conversation to divide. We're having the conversation to bring healing and understanding so that we can go to the next step. Because at this point, the conversation is still fresh. There's not really a practical next step without trying to build some coalition or some movement Right now, it's not even necessarily in my opinion about that step as much as it's about let's raise the awareness about it because this is what I think what happened. We had a generation of people um right before us who knew of prejudice, who knew of racism, but to them, it was only to the extent of what happened in history books. Mm. They never really experienced it one particular side. Now, there may have been some people that have experienced it, but not necessarily on a level that was recorded so yeah. now these children that we're ministering to these young, these students, they now have access to the thing that we were kind of protected from. Mm. And now they're asking questions and the parents can't answer the questions because they never talked about it Mm. and they're just kind of stuck. So, uh, for me, I think what I was saying in essence is I think we really got to have the conversations at home. It's one, the only way we're going to change the world is if we start changing the home. So I think that's kind of where I am. Uh, that's what I'm thinking, uh, to help parents have the same way we try to tell them to talk about sex.
1: Sure.
0: You, I definitely don't want to hear about sex from a fifth or sixth grade boy in a locker room. Sure. And I don't want that to be the first time I hear it. So sure. why why can't race and racial reconciliation or, uh, how that there are differences in, in life? Yeah. Why can't I have that conversation there? And lastly, before, um, uh, <laughs> so I can wrap it up a little bit, uh, as we go deeper in the conversation. Uh, educate people on the difference between racism, prejudice, and preference. Racism is hatred and it is a sin because hatred in any form of sin. Prejudice is prejudgment. That's not confined to just color. That's a bunch of things. There Mm. are, there are a lot of prejudices out there. Preference is what I, what I prefer. Mm. I prefer to hang around this particular group of people. I prefer to go to this church. I prefer this kind of, uh, woman or this kind of man you know that that's preferential so to a- adequately educate people on the difference between racism prejudice and preference because i've heard a lot of ignorant people say for example say you like country music and i like rap music and they're like oh well if you like country music you're racist no i just prefer to listen to country music that doesn't make me racist so i, I just think we got to be better at adequately educating our people man
1: yeah man, I'm a little confused because it sounds like you're saying that it's not a youth pastor's job to raise kids. Is that what you're (laughs) saying? (laughs) That's a a little joke between youth pastors, right, man? Uh, And so many times it does seem like the the job of discipling and and raising children falls squarely on the shoulders of youth pastors um, when it doesn't take much digging into God's Word to see that uh, we, we play that role. We're glad we're blessed and called to, to partner with parents in that process. But the first and primary responsibility in, from Deuteronomy six, uh, you know, in Proverbs, just all is uh, that it's parents to train up the child, uh, the way they should go. So just because that's a, you know, passion of mine, uh, and there's several things here, maybe we could, we could dig into, but, starting with that, or dig into that a little bit more, as far as that idea of those conversations to have at home, because you and I have, and any youth pastor or anyone that's worked, whether as a, as a volunteer uh, or not, uh, and then if you're not in ministry and you're listening and you're a parent of teenagers, you've maybe said, but we have heard parents say the things of, I just don't know how to talk about it. Um, it's like, I don't even... And we're probably, you know, sixth through seventh grade, maybe our kids even stop being human. I don't know. Jury's still out on that. Um, (laughs) But it's difficult to have those conversations. So maybe just from what you've been going through, what are some of the things that you're hearing from your students? Uh, Some of those questions that they're asking uh, and some of those things that just when you hear it in your heart, in your gut, you're like, man, I wish their parents would talk to them about this. Yeah, so uh
0: for me, what my students bring to bring to our attention isn't so much just race as much as it's a, a bunch of matters that I think if a parent would genuinely just have the conversation with them, mm-hmm. uh it would their life would be a lot more transformative and they would be a lot more aware instead of getting secondhand information. So uh I do think even though we jokingly say it's not our job to raise kids, uh it it isn't. And that mantle has sometimes been placed on us. Uh, I'm struggling to find the correct word to say why it's been placed on us. But um, I think that's just been the assumption for so long that the youth pastor is going to raise up my child.
1: Mm.
0: So uh, like last night um, for our youth, uh, last Wednesday for our youth ministry, I had one of my leaders come and speak and uh, he talked about, you know, the tension of uh, that we're experiencing in our nation uh, from pandemic to racial tension, to, Possible financial crisis, so uh, from that, our students don't really ask us questions in the in the form of questions because I'm dealing with a generation of students that think they know everything <laughs> because they have the access to the world
1: That's right.
0: at their fingertips and they start to question what I say.
1: Mm.
0: And I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, uh, this generation they they are they're creators, they're publishers, they're yeah. thinkers. And so not so much of the questions that they're asking or how to have those conversations as much as it's about uh, understanding the way young people think and the way they get information. So uh, what I would tell a parent, um, what I would even tell other ministry leaders Mm. is in order for us to understand the mind of a young person is not so much of asking them the question of how do they feel because they're not feelers. They're not led Mm. so much by their feelings. They really are thinkers. Mm -hmm. And start asking them, "What do you think about this?" Mm -hmm. And it's just, man, again, those those, that just exchange between those two words. Because you and I know how we came up. It was, "How does that make you feel?" Mm -hmm. You know, or you know, we said we felt hungry. We feel tired. A lot of the things were feelings. But with um, what I'm noticing in this generation, and it may just be our context, um, my students, they're thinkers. Mm -hmm. They they internally process. And unfortunately, they process on social media.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: before they even, and they're so socially connected, but they don't really know how to engage with people. Right. They're, they're easier to text than they are to talk to. <laughs> so even if I was a parent, and it may be hard at first, get to that place where you may have to connect with your kid digitally first, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're probably thinking like, man, dude, that's a whole nother you know, level of parenting that I'm not used to. But this is the first generation who, have, who has been completely immersed in technology with no filter.
1: Mm.
0: We don't tell them, you know, they get the driver's license at uh, 16, smoke and drink at whatever age. We don't mm-hmm. put an age limit on technology. You right. got to be in high school before you get a phone. Right. You got to right. be, you know, 16 before you get on social media. So, we're just now seeing the effects really long term of a generation that's been completely immersed in social media, that's right. and the only way they know how to communicate is via emoji or text message. <laughs>
1: okay. So,
0: um, for me, in order for parents to start having these conversations with kids who are so digitally connected,
1: mm. um,
0: it may start with randomly sending them that message uh, and a, 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 a meme or something say, Hey, I saw this, what do you think about mm. it? and I Cause that's usually how our kids connect with us. When, uh, you know, when the George Floyd thing first released, people were sending it to me on Instagram, man, did right. you see this, man, what's going on? Like, you know, how did it, wasn't, how did it make you feel it was did you see this? So, mm-hmm. and I'm not encouraging parents to be so involved in social media to connect with their kids, but I do think that's one valuable way for them to, to have
1: conversation. Sure. Sure. To, to use it as a tool to kind of connect on their level. You know, as you were saying that, just thinking about, and even, I mean, how many, I'm sure there's a number out there somewhere, but how many videos a day do the kids watch, on um, you know, the various platforms, whether it's YouTube or, uh, one of the social media platforms. Um, and so yeah, t- you know, texting your kids a video and saying, Hey, just watch this. Um, let, let's talk about it tonight. Um, at the dinner table. At the table. That's right. That's right. And I know it's like no phones at the table. Uh, but if if that's maybe even an entry point to get us back to the table, um, yes. you know, or uh, you know, that that can can be a tool. So, uh, I love that idea. That that thought of kind of connecting where they are. Um, you know, what what do you see, kind of being some of the biggest. Of question marks I guess for students today in, re- in reference to just the the, the the biggest questions they're asking in just in reference to whatever they're going through yeah um I think first off uh
0: I don't think human nature has really changed that much I think they still struggle with identity they struggle with purpose um as sensitive as this topic may be because I know it's a hot topic issue sure. for. Um, uh, you know, transgender
1: mm-hmm.
0: kids, they, you know, they, they have this idea that, uh, you know, gender isn't it's something I can decide. Mm. That's an identity issue. So I still mm. think kids are struggling with purpose. I think there's a big question mark next to that. Uh, I think kids are asking the question, is this the end of the world? Um, Cause you know, they've, uh, you, again, like you said, everything for a, a kid, I wouldn't even say kid, I would say millennial and younger is mm. they read through the lens of uh, sound bites and clickbait.
1: Mm.
0: So it's, uh, man, is this the world coming to an end? Because some, for some of them, the only Bible that they know about is that one clip that got released not too long ago about the locusts and the wildfires <laughs> and all this other <laughs> stuff. So they're like, man, this is it. And yeah. so uh, purpose, uh, identity, uh, social media, even though the intention behind it was to help us connect better, because it hasn't been managed well, I think it's become a tool that we uh, allow to separate us a little bit more and keep us from engaging. So I wouldn't say the kids have a bigger question mark as much as I have a bigger question mark. And my question mark, I guess, is uh, in the form of what happens to this next generation who will probably, I know for a fact, parent my children
1: mm-hmm.
0: if I don't say or if they don't uh be more intentional about the tools that they use to engage and connect. Um, what does that mean for social inter- social interaction? What does that mean for traditional style dating? What does family look like now? Because I, in my church services, I'm seeing kids who their parents don't tell them to be quiet. They say, here, look at this. Mm-hmm. And so this this generation and generations to come are being completely immersed in something that we don't know the full effects of yet. So I think, you know, even our 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 job structure, the way uh, students pursue jobs, I think that's another big question mark for them. What am I going to do with my life? Mm. What am I going to do financially? Uh, a lot of them think they're going to be social media famous. And I'm really not saying this as a pun, but somebody who has been social media famous, you don't want to make a life out of that because for some of them who who struggle, like I was mentioning with the comparison identity issue, yet you want to be social media famous, don't realize the microscope you're put under mm. for people to really pick apart and unpack your life.
1: Mm. Like
0: they don't know what it's like to respond to 10,000 comments that are all negative.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: you know, I mean, it's, it's real who, or who tear apart you and they don't even know you. So I guess the biggest question marks I'm getting again, are purpose identity. What am I going to do with my life? Who am I really? And then um, do I have a future? Is this the end? Cause if this is what the world looks like, is this a world I want to be a part of? So I think it's our job to empower them to say, hey, this is the world you live in. It's dark. It's messed up. But this is what you can do to change it. And Mm -hmm. um, I hope that kind of answers. Yeah.
1: I know it's kind of vague. No, no, no. no. I think those are three or four big areas. And maybe even people that are listening, if if you've made it this far and and you haven't shut off the episode because (laughs) you're like, well, I don't have kids. But maybe – people that don't have kids or even thinking like, oh, brother, these kids, they got identity issues. Like other generations dealt with different things. And this is what generation, the generation of, of youth is dealing with right now. And we can either tell them to, to get over it, just read your Bible and figure it out or quit your complaining or that's terrible. Or we can help them process through it and understand it through God's word, through a biblical yeah. worldview, so that then they begin to figure out those answers for themselves based on God's word, not through Google, not yep. through social media, not through what their teachers, what the school is saying. And that's where that we get back to that Deuteronomy training up a child from a young age to go to God's word, that this, this is the starting point. Anytime that we do have questions, this is your starting point, not a Google search. Um, yeah.
0: And bro, I think, a big part of the way people are wired now is for example, when we're discipline, disciplining our, our young people, we think, uh, we tell them why not, we just tell them not to do something, but we don't tell them why, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. there's no clarity on to, you know, Hey, don't do that. Why? Because I said, so that parenting style doesn't work, man. It doesn't translate, especially to a bunch of kids who are free thinkers. You know, they're, they're, and you, I've seen children manipulate their parents to, you know, other ways. So mm-hmm. even for somebody our age, who's probably still asking the same question, why? Because if we're honest, there are 30 year old men <laughs> who still don't know why, don't know why really? they exist. And uh, I think it's because they saw life through a lens of uh, inadequacy. They saw life through a lens of uh, curiosity and had questions. But we were taught, don't ask questions. Like you probably heard, don't don't question God, mm-hmm. which you know, that's not necessarily biblical. I mean, sure. David did a, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I think I think encouraging them, hey, ask questions, and like you just said, don't don't settle for the Google answer. Settle for a biblical worldview. Settle mm-hmm. for an answer that's
1: rooted in the Word, um, because that's the only one that's going to sustain. it's good. And yeah, I think we can swing too far in anything, uh, whether it's biblical, worldly, whatever, there's always two extremes um, and, you know, politics, religion, just everything. Uh, and so even with like with parenting, even that, I, that right teaching of authority that like there, I think there are some times where it's okay for me to tell, you know, Eden's five months old or going to be six months old uh, tomorrow. Uh, so, so not yet, but there'll become a time where like, I as a parent, I can say, "Hey, just do this," because I am the parent. But if that's the if that's the go to, and there's never an understanding, then then that's what and that's what I hear you saying. Then that's yeah. when kids they're not taught to think, and that's where and I think even maybe for for me, you know, when I went off on my own in in college, and for me it was actually I was I guess a little later into my twenties, uh, but I didn't really know why I thought some of the things I thought, and so it didn't quite feel right. Right. We talk about feelings. It didn't quite seem right. Uh, and so I, I went another direction. And then through life experience, I was like, oh, this is why, uh, you know, I wish I'd have known. And we learned those lessons. And So I think there's a balance there. Uh, but but absolutely, that the go-to has to not just be do this. Uh, and then, and that's, what it could, that's what the Pharisees did. Here's the law. Now go do it. Uh, and then they themselves weren't even doing it. But Jesus would say, you've heard it said this, but I say, if you even look at a woman in that way, then you've committed adultery. Or if you even thought an angry thought, thought about your brother, you've committed it because it's not just about, it's not, there are God's word is black and white, but Jesus is concerned about our heart And, and a heart issue is not just a set of rules. It's a, it's a, it's a way of life. It's an understanding. It's a view of our life through who God says we are. Yeah. So, so there, is, there is that balance, uh, and we need to uh, really help students understand the why, not in the sense of that we're constantly explaining ourselves as parents, but we should be, I think, constantly explaining God's word, not, not explaining it away or shaping it to our lifestyle, but saying this is the decision we're going to make as a, as a family, these are the decisions that I'm making as I parent you. Why I'm t- that I say yes or no, and this is why because this is what God's word says, uh, and I'm, I, I believe that's how we shape a biblical worldview is through to really understand. That's why I write tr- be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, and so yes, it is about our heart being surrendered to God, um, but there is there is a, a a a part of following God that is understanding that is, is is knowing god um so you know, maybe just as we kind of because at the beginning we started a little broader and then we zeroed in kind of on um on youth and that's just one because our, our hearts and that passion so i hope those that are listening find that value um and there is value because i think it's you hit on something you said there's even 30 year olds um 40 year olds that are struggling with these same questions of of who am i of, of they think and so we kind of started a little bit talking about, hey, all that's going on in our, our culture now uh, you know, with, with the, the riots, with the, 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 the racism, these things. And, but then I, we really kind of got to the, the point that the heart of moving forward in that, the heart of moving forward in anything is having those conversations at home where we are shaping everything that we think, everything that we feel. Uh, on God's word, and so maybe kind of like a, a taking a step back. So someone that's maybe listening that doesn't have kids, uh, or even just general in ministry, then how do you see this applying to whether it's what we're currently walking through, or just to any uh, decision or or thing that comes up next week in society, uh, in the in the world? How do we apply this kind of at a at a macro level? Um. So I would say in
0: reference to um, to the identity comparison portion of it, I would say, even if I had worded it in a phrase, but tried to go back to it, God wants to bless the original, not the imitation. Mm-hmm. So I think for a lot of people, it's becoming secure in who you are and the way God made you. Uh, so speaking practically, I think that's becoming familiar with your unique gifting, your unique gifts, uh, those qualities, those intangibles that you possess that nobody else possesses. Uh, very early on, I knew I liked to talk and it was just something, uh, I love to do. And now I get paid to talk, but being realistic, you know, my teacher said it, Will's talkative, Will's talkative. He talks too much. He gets his work done, but he talks a lot. It's something that I got familiar with. And then I started to fine tune. So, uh, there are plenty of resources out there for a spiritual gifting test. Uh, you know, there's Myers-Briggs, there's a bunch of things that people could do on the spiritual level. Uh, As far as there are even other gifts like uh, Strength Finder Mm 2.0 that people could take or find and invest in. Uh, So I would say starting there, finding your particular gift set, your interests, your hobbies that are unique to you, and your individuality. For our church, we call that shape. It's spiritual gifts, habits, abilities, personalities, and experiences. Mm -hmm. They make you you. So we start with spiritual gifts, habits. What do you like to do? Sports. Uh, chess, checkers, it doesn't matter. Uh, Abilities, as I mentioned earlier, what are you good at? Uh, Jesse, you, you, man, dude, you're creative. So you mean, and you're great at conversations, you're great at dialoguing. Uh, That's just natural for you. It's not something you have to force. And then personality, there are personality assessments that you could take and then uh, experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. As I mentioned to you, um, I have a particular, a unique set of experiences in my life. So as trying to circle back around to that. I think from the comparison level, as I mentioned, that's becoming, doing some soul searching, really uh, becoming familiar with who you are, but ultimately going back to the source of understanding that your identity is rooted in whose you are. Mm. So until we get to that point where we realize we belong to Jesus, God created us for him, not even for anybody else. uh, I think we're going to struggle to find identity because we've wrapped it up in things that, uh, aren't sustainable. Uh, my mom, her life got wrapped up into who me and my sister were becoming. So her life was her kids. Mm -hmm. And then when my mom and dad got a divorce, I struggled to watch her become the woman or find the identity that she should have always known. So on that part, I would say, get to know who you
1: are. Taking that a step further, you know, as a follower of Christ, our identity is always that we belong to him. Um, yep. And because of that, that should impact everything we do. Uh, and I think if we kept that in mind, uh, social media might look a little different. different Come on, right? right? So, uh, so for us,
0: we have to realize if Genesis one twenty six and 27 is correct, which we know it is, we are made in his image and his likeness then we have to realize we bear an image of God. And so I think our identity has to be wrapped in the fact that you look like your dad, you act like your dad, you you're, you're. And so this is the quote that I love, bro. It says, you're born looking like your dad, but you'll die looking like your decisions. Mm. Ultimately for me, I'm going to die what I look like I chose
1: Mm. and I want
0: my life to look like I gave it to Jesus. I chose to follow him. So if nothing else, I want my identity to be marked that will carry the image of Jesus, he loved like Jesus, he wasn't Jesus, but he did his best to love God and love people mm-hmm. and I think, like you said, if social people on social media would post the ugly images if they just got <laughs> if they got mm-hmm. real confident in knowing, man, hey, I don't look like everybody else, and that's okay, but I look like my dad, so mm-hmm.
1: yeah so as you as we think about. Like first for, for ourselves, that okay, who who is my identity in, you know, what's my identity, uh, who has God made me to be, um, you know, beginning to answer that questions and, and knowing knowing ourselves and not being self-centered, you know, that it's like all about us, but that that driving question of who has God made me to be, um, as we begin to see ourselves in the likeness of our creator, which we are in the likeness of God. How do you see that impacting then how we see others? Oh man, bro. So to me, this is the heart of the gospel
0: issue that the racial tension, I think, well, the racial tension would dissipate if we handled this gospel issue. So uh, I've referenced it, referenced this verse already. Love God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think the only way you can truly love others is to realize that as that verse says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I can only love you at the level I love myself.
1: Mm.
0: So that biblical verse of doing unto others the way you would have them to treat you. I got to love you. Like I see me in you. I got to, even though we're, we're different, I got to see the qualities in you, the characteristics in you. I don't see you as a problem. I see you as a purpose, mm. as a promise from God. So for me, I think if we really grab that concept of, hey, man, we gotta have a better idea or uh idea of self-image, which ultimately our self-image is distorted by poor self-talk, which is a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. Uh but I gotta see the God in you. So uh scripturally where it says, how can you say you love God but ha- uh, who you can't see but hate your brother who you do see?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For me, I got I to gotta look at your life and realize whether you're a Christian or not, mm-hmm. it's, not it's not my job to decide whether or not, uh, you know, if you're saved, whether, if I love you. I don't get to pick who I love. Mm-hmm. The command's clear. I'm to love you regardless if you don't look like me, smell like me, vote like me, think like me. Your okay. your family because I'm called to love because ultimately it's his kindness that leads people to repentance. So if I'm being mean, I'm ruining the witness that God may want to use me to witness to you because I have poor self-image. Because I because secretly, the only way I can hate somebody is there's got to be something I hate in myself. There's got to be something about me that I dislike. So, And you know how it is, Jesse, man, how hard it is to stay mad. It takes real work to stay mad. And it also takes real hurt. And I think that's the reason why uh, there is two extremes. Even with that racial tension, is because people who are hurting don't know how to always communicate their pain,
1: mm.
0: and so they lash out, mm. and then they take it out on other individuals. We know the old adage, "Hurt people, hurt people." Mm. But if I have a strong self-image, and I realize whose I am, who I belong to, mm. then I have no problem seeing Jesse as my brother in Christ, regardless mm. if even if we disagree. Because I mentioned it earlier, we can disagree, but we don't have to disconnect. I don't have to disown you.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: we, we've got we to eliminate the mindset that we've watched in our political parties. Oh, you're Democrat and I'm Republican, so we can't eat lunch together. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Ultimately, I think we really just got to get to the place where we, we can't just say to people, I love you anymore. Because the language of love is sacrifice. I can't just, that's a mm-hmm. blanket statement. And so even to say black lives matter and then to say all lives matter or any of that reference mm-hmm. yes all lives matter everybody matters mm-hmm. but until you can look at people locally in yourself your mm-hmm. your individual self and say man I love everybody that's why I think it starts at home it starts here
1: mm-hmm. this
0: is really a heart issue for us mm-hmm. and if I can't look at anybody or say you know that cliche statement that most believers say I love you but I don't like you <laughs> You can't say that.
1: Yeah. You know, So as you know, we've, like I said, we started talking about kind of the idea of youth of of training up our, our children so that they um, rightly see these things and, and first our, our identity as um, followers of Christ. But then it's also really training up ourselves um, to be able to train up our, our children. And so if we don't have children, it's not the man you're off the hook. Like you still, we still have to train ourselves. Um, you know, right. And so it's not that, um, we get to that place where, uh, you're just become complacent. Uh, you know, if you go to the gym and then you stop going to the gym, uh, you get flabby and weak pretty quick. Uh, and so that, that idea of, of training, uh, you know, Paul talks about over and over again is that we must continually to train ourselves up. We got to train ourselves in order
0: to train our children. I think in America, if nothing more, that we face today is a leadership crisis. So to say uh, we got to start leading ourselves well or training ourselves well to train the next generation, um, I think self-leadership is a big deal, which goes back to, you know, the whole identity issue. Mm. So how can you lead yourself well when you're struggling with insecurities, when you're struggling internally? You can't lead yourself because you're so confused about how you view your life, your purpose, what God's want, what God wants to do in your life, Christian or not Christian, you have this inner tor- turmoil that you're struggling with, and I believe that uh, ultimately, if we can fix or speak to the leadership crisis in our state, I think the racial conversation require requires real strategy, real leadership, real conversation, and until we get to that point where uh, we're not expecting this next generation to be the leaders that we weren't, but show them how to lead ourselves i think this generation of thinkers is going to stand and go way further than we've ever been Mm -hmm. simply because we're going to get we're not just going to give them some tools to help them we're not just going to be like here's my armor take it Mm -hmm. and fight with it we're going to say hey this is what i used what are you bringing to the table maybe what can we do to couple this thing together to go way beyond where we're going Mm -hmm. because man I mean, you've been hitting on it. I think uh, even in our homes, there's a leadership crisis. The attack of the uh, blended homes, the attack of the male figure in a, mm. in American homes, a uh, lot of kids growing up uh, by divorcees or uh, 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 single parent homes. Man, if we could really establish uh, biblical leadership and having, having people realize, because I don't believe leaders are born. I believe they're built. Mm. Um, you know, for people say, some people just have natural qualities, blah, 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 blah. That's I that's true. Sure. But I do think that you can cultivate leadership. Leadership is Absolutely. a skill, and it can be taught. And we need to let this generation of young people know, we're not intimidated by your gifts. We're not intimidated by your skill set. You're a leader. You, you can change things. And, man, Jesus did it with a bunch of people who didn't know what they were doing. So that's right. that's uh, I right. think we just got to release them, man. Train them up in the way that they should go. Mm -hmm. And uh, that starts with training ourselves, educating ourselves.
1: That's right. You know, and you you mentioned at the beginning, but just kind of wrapped it up there, too, that we absolutely need things to happen at the political level, uh, at the secular level. uh, But the world and the the worldly government is always going to act like the world, is always going to act like the worldly government. And so, if the church doesn't look like what God's Word says that ch- the, the the church should look like and the world should look like, how the heck can we expect the world to look like that? And so, it has to start in the church, I believe, and then kind of that tiered, it has to start at the church leadership level, and it has to happen in the home level, and then it has to happen in that in our, our personal level, um, and. And that oftentimes does fall then on on us as as the male uh, to lead our family well, not to lord over, not to to domineer, but to to lead well uh, and to model that and then allow the world to see, man, these Christ followers like it does make a difference when you follow Christ. There really is an opportunity to have love uh, in this world. Uh, let's maybe try and do some of the things that they're doing uh, rather than the church looking at the world and say, let's try some of the things that they're trying. That's never going to work. So man, just any closing thoughts or ideas before maybe if you just kind of close us in prayer.
0: Yeah, man, I do want people to be encouraged. I know that there may be a lot of feelings of uh, uncertainty from the pandemic. Are we going to get a second wave? Are we going to be in financial crisis? the racial temperature, are we on the verge of a racial riot? I would just tell people to be encouraged that um, mm. God is still in control. Amen. As vague as that sounds, as cliche as it could be to some, like, oh, I heard that before. You heard it, but, man, we really got to gotta believe it. Um, God's in control. I believe we are set up strategically for the greatest move of God that we've ever seen. Technology is the way it is to mobilize us the best way we can. Bro, Tuesday, Blackout Tuesday. I didn't participate, but that was insane. Um I, I thought I, I I'm not even gonna lie. When I first got on social media, I was like, this is a problem. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, we're all used to it. But um man, this this generation and everybody engaged in the world today, uh, we're mobilized now better than ever to mm. um see the greatest advancement of the gospel mm. and to really not only cause the quarantine took us to a place where the church building didn't close. We just were able to take the church from the church house to every home and every hand, literally. Like I bet some people just got tired of church because like, I can't get away from it. So um, man, I'm, I'm excited for uh, the days to come. I think America's about to see some of her uh, best days. I think we're going to see a new, a new change in ministry philosophy and ministry perspective. I think for a long time we let so many things like theology and governance divide us Mm. Um, because that's really the only reason for that I've seen a difference in denomination, which is preferential theology Mm. and, uh, and, uh, governance. Mm. I've never seen anybody else argue over any other thing other than those two things. So, uh, we're going to start majoring on the majors. Mm. We're going to be like, Hey, you know, this is a kingdom thing. We want to see the kingdom of God advance. Um, for the sake of seeing young people of all, not even just young people, see all people come to know Jesus. Uh, I think it's going to be beautiful. And, uh, this is just an
1: opportunity for us to really live out the gospel, man. So, brother, thanks for your time. Thanks for being on today and, uh, look forward to maybe some future conversations, but as we end today, would you close in prayer? Yeah, man. Thank you for the opportunity, but yeah, let's pray, man.
0: Father, thank you so much for, uh, Jesse. I thank you for this platform. But most importantly, Father, I ask that uh, you bless the hearers. You bless those that are are listening to to this. Uh, Your word says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Father, let today or whenever they listen be a a day for them that uh, has marked, that increased their faith, that they heard the word, that uh, it penetrated their heart, and that it challenged them. Father, we're praying that uh, true repentance comes to our land, that true surrender comes to the people that listen. Uh, for us to just be better, to actually live out the values and promises and beliefs that we hold so true. And I just, I'm praying and believing that uh, our best days truly are ahead. So uh, Father, continue to show your hand and your grace in the midst of our our situation uh, and some of our darkest moments. Uh, let your light shine so that we can continue to uh, push forward the kingdom of Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for everything that you've given us. And I just ask that you bless Uh, each and every person listening. I pray this in Jesus'
1: name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to episode 11 of What Do I Think? I hope this episode was helpful in exploring some questions and thoughts that we wrestled through and that perhaps surfaced in your heart as you listened. Are you a parent? How do Deuteronomy 6 and Proverbs 22, verse 6 shape the conversations you are currently having with your children, regardless of their age, in the face of all that is happening in our world? How are you leading yourself to be prepared for these conversations and to be able to model it for them? If you're not a parent, what is your identity? How does God want to use you to lead those that might be around you? As you walk away from today's episode and think about these things, I hope you will begin to ask yourself, what do I think? I look forward to episode 12 next Friday, the last episode before the podcast becomes a teenager.